Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Previously on the Pure Hoops podcast. I think they have the best roster from top to bottom in the NBA. Clearly, the Warriors are the best team in the NBA, but I think they have the best roster from top to bottom. This is a deep team. They have great depth. They have consistent play, you know, from top to bottom. Um, and I just like their group. I like what they've put together. And I, I, and I like the fact that, they, you know what, they can score, they can defend, they can grind, and they have a player in Kyrie who can just go get it. If B.J. Armstrong keeps hyping up the Celtics, I'm going to continue to be a happy man. Pure Hoops podcast, episode 15. We're right in the thick of the NBA playoffs. Much to discuss. Big-time second-round matchups coming up. The Clippers dragging the Warriors now to six games. We're talking Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Raptors, and, of course, Dame Lillard shot. Check ball. Let's go. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops Podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. And how quickly have things changed for the Boston Celtics, who will eventually win the NBA championship this season? <laughs> BJ, how are you, my friend? Eric, I'm doing great. I, I, I'm so excited to hear you with this much optimism uh, about your C's and your Celtics. And, uh, this is great. It's been a it's been a love story that's spanned for 37 years, my friend. <laughs> since I since I sat on the couch with my dad watching Dr. J and Larry Bird, it's it's been a hell of a ride. But uh, seeing it come together this way. Um, it's the irony around it and and what a team you're passionate about can put you through on the way to reaching their goal is something that is obviously beautiful uh about team sports and uh and i must say there's uh there's shades of that happening right now with the golden state warriors and um i mean before we talk about everything good that the Los Angeles Clippers continue to do, from Doc Rivers to Lou Williams and, and, and the rest of the crew, I mean, the Warriors, you know, when they blew the game to huge lead, it was more of uh, hitting the snooze button, obviously. But the Clippers really played a good game in Game 5 and, and sending this thing back to... LA for game six. So what did you see that the Warriors should be concerned about? And what did you see that the Warriors know that 
with a little focus and a little fixing, things should be okay for them moving on here to game six. Well, the one thing with the Warriors is that they are, they're the champs. And if I were coaching the Warriors, if I could, you know, play couch coach, if you will, the one thing I'm concerned about uh, the Warriors, I think, which is of the utmost importance, and Steve Kerr and his, I'm sure, staff will address it, is defensively, you know, they're giving up 70 points and a half. That's the yep. first thing. That, that is the that, that's a, a major concern. And the second concern, which to me is even more important than the first concern, which is what's going on with this team, why they can't win at home now. They're That's not shocking. That that is shocking to me. That okay. is shocking to me. They've now, lost two games this series at home. Now, if it's one thing that's always been a staple for the Warriors, which is they have always been able to turn it up defensively. I mean, they're giving up seventy points and a half, okay, to a team where arguably their two best players in this series have been guys coming off the bench. Okay, Lou Williams. It's basically a starter, but Lou Williams and the kid Harrell have been their best offensive players in this in this in the series, and they're doing it coming off the bench. And those two things are of great importance because now they're not defending, and that's always been the staple, of, if you will, for the Golden State Warriors. So Lou Williams is completely. Like, let's not beat around the bush. He's torching the Warriors. Whether well, it's... Lou, well, Lou, Lou Williams is not only torching the Warriors. I mean, this if you're in the East Coast and you haven't had a chance to see Lou Williams, this kid is a walking bucket. I mean, he yep. can score baskets with the best of them. So, my question is, especially when they run pick and roll, at this point, why not just trap this guy every time? And make somebody else make a play. And then the Warrior, the Warriors have always been a, a really good, not just on the ball defensive team, but as far as rotating to shooters and help when they're dialed in and they're connected, they're, they've been one of the best in the league. I, I'm just, I'm wondering if now is finally the time we're going to see that. Because if Lou Williams doesn't go plus 30, if Lou Williams doesn't torture the Warriors, I don't see how the Clippers can win another game. Do you? Well, in watching the Warriors over the last three to four years, this is the first time I've seen the Warriors are faced with, are they going to actually compromise their defense and double-team someone? Think about what I just said. This is the yep. first time where the Warriors, who have basically been a team who've never had to compromise their defense, they've never had to double the post, they've never had to double – isolation player they've never had to double screen roll because arguably their best screen roll defender is Draymond Green when they put him at the center position they, they they've always had a defense where they can play one-on-one -on -one. this is the first series where I I agree with you they're going to have to do something with Lou Williams because he's not only he's okay the first time he did it you're going okay in game two they did it again so now it makes me believe they know something when I say they, talking about the L.A. Clippers, I am really concerned that they're going to have to do something they haven't had to do over the last four years, which is they're going to have to actually double-team an opposing player for the first time. 
you look at the numbers from game five, Williams and Harrell combined are uh, 23 of 33 from the floor. And it's just, I mean, the combination, and we've talked about this, and, and a lot of people are talking about it now, obviously, because it's getting national attention. But, like, I don't know the last time or if ever we've seen a bench combo like this. And the fact that Gallinari was able to get off the get, get out of his slump and, and score 26 points, and then they get 17 from Pat Beverly, who also gives you 15 rebounds from the guard spot, like... We've said it before. This Clipper team is not going away. They they have they they have to put them to bed. And um, changing the game plan and doing something they're they're not accustomed to doing, as you said, as in double teaming, is the way to go. Um, anything else catches your eye from from this series, especially with what the Warriors need to do to shut the door in Game Six? Well, if, if, you know, this is going to be a tough game, and any team that is faced with elimination um, is always going to come out and play with a certain sense of urgency, and you see that with the Clippers. The thing that I think gives the Clippers an edge, if you will, is they have terrific leadership from Doc Rivers, who's been in battles, you know, starting in the 80s, 90s, you know, there with the Celtics as a, as a, as a head coach. We know his teams are going to come out with a level of toughness. They're, they're not going to give an inch. I think Patrick Beverly embodies all of that, of what Doc Rivers is as a coach, as he was as a player. Uh, the, the thing that I think gives them a, a, a great advantage that no one's talking about is Jerry West. Because Jerry West used to work for the Golden State Warriors. Jerry West point. knows the Golden, Golden State Warriors as well as anyone in the entire league. And what you're seeing in this series is the blueprint on how to beat the Warriors. Now, easier said than done, but the Clippers are giving you a blueprint. They're, they're showing us how you can defeat this team if you have the personnel to execute it. The execution of it is much more important than actually doing it. Now, Jerry West has insight that no other executive or no other person probably in the entire league has. And I'm yep. sure I'm sure this has been discussed with him and Doc Rivers in some capacity of saying, here is what I saw when I was working there. Here's what I think could possibly work. And now it's up for Doc Rivers and his staff to pick and choose, if any, of the information that was given. But I think that gives them a significant advantage on how to beat them. But this team, when I say this team, the Warriors are an exceptional team. They're, they're well coached, and obviously they have great talent. But I think now you're seeing some things that possibly other teams are picking up on saying, oh, you know, maybe this is something we haven't thought of or something that we could try and maybe it will work and maybe it won't work. But I think the, the, the Clippers now are opening, our, opening all of our eyes to saying, this team can be beat now, and you really haven't thought that over the last three or four years. There's one more thing, too. DeMarcus Cousins is no longer in the lineup. And the Warriors spent the entire 2019, in terms of the calendar year turning in January, when DeMarcus came back, gearing up for a championship run with him in the middle of that lineup. 
and him going down at the beginning of game two, um, it's no coincidence their rhythm is a bit off because they were playing very good basketball with him in the middle, and he was doing a lot of good things out there on the floor um, besides just rebounding and scoring on the block. And as we both know, tremendous passer, the ability to space the floor and create more room for Steph, for Clay, for KD. And unfortunately, DeMarcus isn't there. So that's uh, that's something to keep an eye on as this, this series moves over. And, um, you know, in, uh, in prepping for today's show, uh, you know, you know, when you're, you, you know, you have a phone alert and you don't want to be distracted, but you can't help it. And you look over at it. Um, that's what I had about 15 minutes before the show today, before I, I, I jumped on for our little, uh, pre-huddle with, with Bruce, yourself and I, and the alert was rockets are going to travel to the bay ahead of series with Warriors Clippers winner. So Houston, of course, closes out Utah on Wednesday night. And uh, Clint Capella said it at the podium. They want the Warriors. They want the rematch. Chris Paul sitting right there with them, who, of course, didn't play in Game 6 and Game 7 last year of the Western Conference Finals. So uh, with the Rockets getting through Utah in five, um, with some very interesting happenings there, specifically the Utah defense on Harden and those strategies and how the Rockets then played a game of chess adjusting to that. Uh, how are you viewing the Rockets right now? Because I know the one thing that you've been very, very big on is if the Warriors are going to get tripped up, it's going to be in the second round. Well, the one thing that I will say about this Rockets team is that they're hungry. They're hungry. And when you're facing someone who is hungry, who the, 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 they, they don't have any doubt right now as they go into, yeah. you know, you, you always want to cast doubt when you're playing another team. This yep. team has no doubt and they have no fear which they have my attention right now. Now, whether they can go in there and beat the Warriors, the Warriors are going to be a tough out, okay? But in saying that, this team now, I think psychologically what they're doing by going there early, I think psychologically they're giving themselves an advantage. Yep. And I think it's easy to say they're overlooking the Clippers. I think it's easy to say – all of those things they're disrespecting the clippers i think the Houston not Rockets, not intent not intentionally, intentionally. They're I, I i i i if i'm in the mindset of that team when i say that team the the houston rockets i want to get out of houston as quickly as i can okay now why i don't want any distractions at home because if you're sitting at home right you're sitting at home there are a lot of distractions because you don't know when, you know, you're sitting at home. You don't have a you, you have a you have practice, but you don't really have a schedule. You don't know when you're going to play. You don't know anything. And I think if you're going to be focused, it's better to be on the road than it is at home. It's harder to play in some ways at home than there is when you're on the road, because oh. on the road, you can you can you can kind of get yourself into a nice routine. Yep. on the road so i think this team has already said if they're going to be champs champions this year 
I think they've, they've come with this attitude. We have to beat the champs. And with no disrespect to anyone else, they put their blinders on and they've said all year, you know what, let's it's, – it's kind of like every – their attitude reminds me of, of every kid who's played on the playground. If you lost the game, the first thing you said on the playground was well, let's run it back. Yep. Let's play again. And, and they've, they've the been waiting Rockets, a, f- a full year for that. The Houston Rockets have said, you know what? Let's play again. Because everyone that plays on the playground know the rules of the playground, which is, you know what? You're only as good as your last game, and I'm not going to ever give in to the defeat. So let's run it back. <laughs> okay? So to me, they've taken on an attitude that the score is 0-0. They're ready to play, and they're coming for the champions because they are the champs. And they're not going to get distracted by anything else, other teams, what the media is saying, what have you. They are very, very, very focused. And I think they're so focused right now that they're just saying our whole season right now is going to have to go through them. And I'm going to give them credit because psychologically, you know what? You have to be concerned if you are the Warriors. Now, how concerned? I don't know. I'm not in that locker room. But you know what? They're coming for the Warriors, make no doubt about it. I, I see it the same way. I believe this will be their third meeting in the playoffs in the last four seasons, I believe. And, you know, you and I both love rivalries um, or maybe third meeting in the last five seasons. I have to double check. But you and I love rivalries. I think it's it's agreed that the rivalries in the NBA today are not the same as they used to be. But this has the makings of something very, very special. And obviously it would take a Clipper. Listen, we both respect the Clippers a lot. It would take a Clippers miracle to win two more games in this series. So Warriors Rockets could really turn into uh, a tremendous Western Conference rivalry here this year. And, um, you know, being on the road together, and nobody knows it better than you, the, the bonding, the focus, the preparation. And, you know, we, we've heard, we've, we've been hearing the cliche forever, you know, business trip. But this is, this is everything they've wanted. And, you know, they, they started the year struggling a bit. Then they had injuries. Then Harden turned in these just all world superhuman performances week after week after week to get them back in the playoff race. Then they got healthy because Capella was out. Chris Paul was out. They had some some personnel moves. They lost Trevor Ariza. They added Austin Rivers. This this team has gone through these different stages throughout the season, but now they're right. And now they're right where they want to be. And and for me as as a basketball fan as a basketball storyteller this is really exciting that we're going to get to see this matchup hopefully in the second round well yeah it it makes for exciting basketball and we can talk but you know i've i've had the the fortune of playing in a rivalry just a few of them yeah just a couple maybe one of maybe one of the best i know i'm a little biased here but the rivalry between the Chicago Bulls and the Detroit Pistons in the early 90s to me was one of the great rivalries because everyone on 
each team genuinely didn't like each other. <laughs> okay. Yep. And they were the champs. It wasn't like a rivalry. We just met and no one won championships. We were talking about the Detroit Pistons. Back-to-back. Back-to-back champions. Golden State and, Warriors, back-to-back. Right. Now, before we can say it's a rivalry, I would love for the Rockets to have that championship pedigree behind their name. Sure. Now, right now, the Rockets are a team that is trying to get what the Warriors have done. And the Rockets are poised to at least accept the challenge that, you know what, there's no way around this. We're going to have to go through them. Now, to me, that's a step. They've taken another step as a group of saying, we are prepared to go 12 rounds with this team. And in this instance, in basketball, they are prepared to go seven. They're prepared. Unlike last year, I think they have a different mindset because they're saying we have seven games. It doesn't matter where these games are played because sometime when you're early in the playoffs, when I say early, when you are expected to win games because you have home court advantage, it can be a disadvantage because you believe that just because you have home court advantage that you're going to automatically win there, which isn't right. the case. I think the, the Rockets now understand that as compared to a year ago. You know, BJ, another team in the West – They've got a look about them. They've turned the page after being swept two years in a row. That's the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, the close of that series the other night, the fourth quarter, the momentum swings, Westbrook, Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Paul George, Enos Kanter playing hurt, the scene in Portland, and then, of course, that shot and Lillard's confidence and stoic poise, uh, that moment, that finish, uh, what a way to close that series. The three-point shooting that you're seeing today with some of these prolific shooters, I mean, Damian, Lif Damian Lillard now is a prolific shooter with distance. Okay, that's, that's not a, th those aren't luck shots. He's shooting those shots with, with a level of consistency, and he has the confidence. I mean, him and Steph Curry, they just have, you know, they, they have range now that they're, they're literally out there at the logo um, shooting shots, and they're shooting them. So I, I think now the game has changed, the way we view the game has changed, and a 10-point lead today, you're not safe as you, as, if you want to compare it to yesteryear because of the way they play. It's the range, it's the certainty, but this guy as a leader right now is, is really impressing me, as is the supporting cast on Portland meeting this level of, of excellence. Where are you seeing Lillard now? as uh, not, not just the talent, but this guy is a leader in the game. Well, you know, the way the, the, way the game is played, you know, the one thing that I've always respected about uh, Damian Lillard is the consistency in which, he, in which he attacks his craft. You know, he, he brings it every single night. And, you know, Damian shows up. And the one thing that I respected him then and I expect him now is he takes his matchup on both sides of the ball. And I, I, I respect him for that because I know the difficulty of, of doing that as an ex-player. But more importantly, especially in today's game, I mean, there are some wonderful players at the position. Make no doubt about it. Russell Westbrook, you know, is, is, a, is an MVP caliber player year in and year out in this league. You know, he's, Damian Litter has to face – 
the Russell Westbrooks, the the, oh, the, the, gauntlet of, the the gauntlet of point guard matchups you know, every night the, for these guys Kyrie is incredible. Irvin's every single night, and he takes his matchup. So to watch him and his perseverance, because remember, the last, what, couple of years, they've been bounced out of the first round. Swept two years in a row. Okay, so for him to persevere with this level of confidence gives me what – we've all come to understand this league is about perseverance. This league is about suffering. I think you guys, you and Bruce have heard me say this many times over on the podcast, uh, on the I, show. I quoted it. I quoted it when I was uh, talking to hoops with somebody the other day. This league is about suffering. And this kid, and I'm talking about Damian Lillard, I think understands that he understands that, you know what? Yeah, I can be swept at any time, but I also can hit a shot at any time. So you understand that when you take the court as a player in this league, the score is always 0-0, and you take the good with the bad because you, you have to persevere. And I give him credit for taking the bad with the good and having the basketball integrity to understand that, you know what, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but I got to show up. And, uh, you know, give him credit. He, he, he fights every single time he comes on the floor and uh, it's great to see that he had the the awareness, if you will, uh, to come out there and play and, and accept that challenge. And uh, you know what? Give the Portland Trailblazers credit because they played well and they outplayed the Oklahoma City Thunder in this series. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the fact that they got Enos Cantor as an insurance policy for Nurkic is looking like a, a, a genius move right now because – uh, without him in the lineup and Nurkic out, um, they probably are in trouble in this series. And instead, he plays a key role in the middle. And Portland looking very formidable as they, as they move on. And the series that is uh, very intriguing and one that we've loved talking about is the Denver Nuggets and the Spurs, which is, um, you know, it's 3-2 heading into Thursday night. So when you start... Uh, Listening to this podcast on Friday, the Nuggets will have either advanced or it's going seven. Uh, but it's been a really interesting chess match. And Mike Malone's comments the other night about the world needing to take no notice, excuse me, of uh, Nikola Jokic was um, very, very forthcoming. And I know you had your concerns before this series. Uh, what have you seen in Denver that has or hasn't made you think uh, they've got a chance to go far. Well, the, the the growth that you've seen from game one to, you know, game six, I think is very obvious. You know, you saw a team in game one, they were very nervous. They didn't really know what to expect. Even though they were at home, you know, they lost game one. Uh, they could have lost game two, but give them yep. credit. They persevered. They got through it. You you know, that's that's what this league is all about. And then they go and then they win a game there in 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 San Antonio to, to regain, if you will, home court. So, uh, I, I Jam like Denver. Jamal Murray like has really stepped up the way I, I had hoped as, as that guy who can go get a, go get some yeah, tough buckets. He, he has, um, he's played well on the offensive end, but defensively I have concerns with their team yep. because, you know, the, the, give the guards credit for the San Antonio Spurs. Okay, give the guards credit. I mean, they've had some they've had some big nights. Uh, in particular, the, the the young kid White, I believe that's his name. Uh, 
Yep. Well, no, White, White's been great, but the adjustments that have been made, and we've had a little bit of a chess match here with Greg Popovich and Mike Malone. Uh, they put Gary Harris on White in game four to slow him down. Mm-hmm. They put Torrey Craig into the starting lineup and moved Will Barton to the second unit to be a bench scorer. Torrey Craig came up big with uh, 18 points in game four, but more importantly, really making DeMar DeRozan work. Uh, it, it's been a really good series that, um, you know, is, is going six and, and we'll see, uh, we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, as you, as you said, Denver has shown growth in this series they, and regardless they, of, regardless of the seeds, you're down two one in game four on the road in San Antonio and you come up big in that spot. That is clearly a sign of growth for that team. Yeah, it, it is, and, and like I said, this this is this whole experience for them is a learning experience, and I give them credit. Now, the one thing that I definitely see, if I'm the Spurs, is the depth of the Denver Nuggets is much better than the depth of the San Antonio Spurs, and I think as the series goes on, I think it's going to favor the Spurs. I mean, favor the the Denver Nuggets because oh, their bench, their bench has really been terrific. And I don't think there's an answer for Jokic when he plays with the second unit. I think that's the problem for Popovich and his staff is how to counter when you put Jokic in with the second unit because how do you counter that in the substitution? Because this game's always about matchups. The first unit I think the Spurs feel comfortable with. It's the second unit I think Coach Malone has done an exceptional job of saying, okay, if I can just keep the first unit close, my second unit can give me an advantage, especially with Jokic playing with the second unit. And I think that's what you're seeing here. But Popovich, I'm sure, and these guys will make an adjustment. Uh, I know they wanted to to try to really put some doubt in this team by trying to win not only the one one game, they tried to win two games up there in Denver, and I think it's going to be much more difficult as the series goes on because you see Denver gaining more and more confidence as the series goes on. Okay, so is there uh, is there a Game 7 in this series? I'm putting you on the spot. I think so. I think there's going to be a Game 7. Um, I, okay. I, I think Denver I, – I, I'm, st- I'm going to stick with Denver winning the series because of their death, but I think um, it's going to be a tough game tonight. This will be a – tough tough game for them to try to close out especially the first time but I think overall they will win game seven at home Um, but you know I I just think coach Popovich and his staff and those guys will be ready talking about the Spurs I think they will be ready to play well especially at home Um, you know they're up there in San Antonio that's a tough environment the Pure Hoops podcast is one of four weekly shows from Pure Hoops Media In addition to this show, the Pure Hoops podcast that drops every Friday, we also have the Mike Wise Show with storyteller extraordinaire Mike Wise that drops each and every Monday. Our Wednesday show is Catch and Shoot with Noah Kozloff and Adam Stanko. And on Thursday, we present our newest show, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt. We hope you'll check out all of our shows. You will like them, we promise. Please listen, download, subscribe, and be sure to rate, review, and most of all, enjoy. The Boston Celtics and Milwaukee Bucks will tip off the Eastern Conference semifinals on Sunday. And 
this is a tall task for the Celtics. This is a tall task for the Bucks. There are so many different things to dig into in this matchup. Before we get into specifics, what is the B.J. Armstrong key factor to this series before it starts? Well, the, the key to the series will be the following. The Celtics, talk, talk again. To me. Talk to me. I'm, the, I'm sitting again, up in my Celt- chair. The, the, the Celtics, as I've said all year, they have the best roster in the NBA. This team is they're deep. They have great play at every position, starter and coming off the bench. They have physicality. They can stretch the floor. They can defend their positions. They can defend as a unit. But most importantly, they have a player that is capable of playing for 48 minutes and and, and create his own shot at any point during the game, and that's in Kyrie Irving. I think this team is is poised now to play because they understand, I think the regular season have made them understand that they just can't win on talent alone. They're going to have to defend. This team and, is and, locked and in. Do, right. And do it together. Yes, they're, they're locked in right now. Now, I, I like their team, as I've said, and I'm going to stick with it. I like their team, and I love their talent. I think this team was built for the playoffs. I think Danny Ainge and – and the staff have done an incredible job of building this team for the playoffs. This team is ready. They're ready to win, and I think they're ready to win now. Now, on the other hand, you have Giannis, who, in my opinion, is the most valuable player in the NBA. Can't this argue kid, with it. This kid has been incredible from, from beginning to the end. He is continuing to grow as a player. His leadership, his confidence – and the thing that's most impressive is he's averaging 28 to 30 points a game, whatever he's doing right now, without a jump shot. And I see his growth and potential because once he gets a jump shot, this league is going to be in trouble. Yeah. It's going to sure. be in trouble. For sure. Now, he is he, – he's tough. He plays above the rim. He plays in transition. He plays in half court. He passes the ball. He accepts the double team. He is developing into a very, very, very special player in this league. It's going to be so, tough for them, oh, but for, I, think, I think the Celtics have the talent to do it. So a very interesting article I read this morning. I need to send this to you. I need to send it to Bruce. Uh, it was in The Athletic, and you know, Bruce, dig this up if you can. Uh, it was an article about Celtics reserve forward Shemi Ojale. And last year, he started the last three games of the Milwaukee series just to guard Giannis. And the crux of the article was not just that, but the Celtics' weight room at the Garden is adjacent to the locker room. And he's been piling up these DNPs right now because there's no room in him for the rotation. And in the article, they're talking about these loud noises that continue to come from the weight room when guys like Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown and Al Horford are doing their post-game interviews. And it's him doing these medicine ball workouts, smashing the ball off the wall repeatedly, 
to stay ready and stay fresh. And I'm reading this article this morning and I'm getting so fired up about all the different things we could see in this matchup. And a guy like that, who is a physical specimen, who's a role player, but if he can play 15 minutes a night and make Giannis work and Al Horford spends time on him and Marcus Morris spends a little time on him, they're just going to try to make things very, very difficult for him, make him earn his points, but at the same time, they've got to stay home on everybody else. And I think that's what the formula is going to be for the Celtics. Now, Malcolm Brogdon is out. They're saying he's going to come back. Eric Bledsoe has played very well for the Bucks this season. Besides Giannis, besides Kyrie, what guys in this series can you point to that are going to, that are going to play a, a pivotal role on either side? Well, Brooke Lopez has been – he's, he's fit into that system there uh, very well this year. I think he's been – a pleasant surprise for them because the way he's really transformed his game. When he came into this league, you know, 10, 11 years ago, he was a low post threat. And now he's a stretch five. And you have to take him seriously uh, as a yep. stretch five, as a person who can consistently make that shot. Um, so I, I, I look for them to figure out how to defend him uh, on the perimeter um, because he is a big guy who's capable of putting – big numbers up on the offensive end for the for the for the Celtics I, I'm, I'm really looking at the guards because the guard it's going to I think Kyrie and, 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 and Terry are going to put a, the pressure that's going to be put on Bledsoe on from the offensive and defensive end is going to be a little different than what what Bledsoe saw in the Detroit series he's played well he played well in the first round yep. but Kyrie Irvin is a different animal and I think defensively he's going to have to lock in. And then there's not much drop-off when you bring in Terry. Terry's a very capable scorer as well, and he's very strong and athletic. So I think for, for Bledsoe, he's going to have to play an incredible amount of minutes because athletically, you know, he's going to have to – you know, he's one of the better guards athletically in this league. But I think the amount of energy he's going to have to spend offensively and defensively will wear him down as the series goes on because Kyrie is coming and they're going to run screen roll and he's got to chase and he's got to do those things. And I, I don't expect Bledsoe to have a great offensive series because of the amount of detail and attention he's going to have to give to guard Kyrie. And then he doesn't get a bigger, he doesn't get a break when Terry comes in. So yep. I look for the guard. If, if Kyrie and these guys get off to, a, to an excellent start at the guard, at the guard play early, I think that's going to be tough for them to overcome because I don't see any other guards that can defend them consistently other than Bledsoe because, you know, athletically yeah. you're going to need a special uh, – you, you need a certain athlete to be able to at least contest with a Kyrie yeah. Irving. George Hill is still a, a very effective player, but defensively in this situation um, I, I don't think that's um, where they're going to see a lot of success. Now you mentioned Lopez and then you mentioned pick and roll. And we know how much Al Horford and Kyrie Irving love to play that two-man pick-and-pop game. Watching Lopez try to hedge, recover, chase Horford out to the line is going to be is going to be a, a really interesting part of this chess match. And I don't think enough can be said about the Budenholzer Stevens back and forth in this series. Um, 
I, I may break out the Hubie Brown whiteboard for this, BJ, because there's there's a lot of notes to be taken, and uh, I, I'm st- I'm still a lifetime learner, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. We, we we may have to get together for a game here, my friend. Really really draw some stuff we'll, we'll, up. Let's do it. So, um, as good as this series is going to be, the Celtic rival on the other side of the bracket, the Philadelphia 76ers, who I thought would get tested a little bit more by the Brooklyn Nets, and obviously a couple of those games were close, but Game 5 was an absolute uh, embarrassment for Brooklyn, and give it to Philly, they came out ready to end that thing. We've got Philadelphia, and we've got Toronto. And the look in Kawhi Leonard's eye is very similar to that look we were talking about earlier in the show with the Houston Rockets. So we've got Raptors, Sixers, intriguing matchups across the board. What's the first thing that's standing out for you in this one? Well, you know, Kawhi has, you know, you can see how dominant of a player he is on both ends of the court because he can affect the game, not only offensively what he can do, but defensively, he can really affect the game and shut down the opposing team's best wing player. I can't wait to see the matchup with him and Ben Simmons. I think that will be one for the ages because Ben Simmons is, you know, he's 6'10". Once he gets a full head of steam, he's, he's tough to guard, especially in transition. Uh, but he's not really a scorer. But he's capable of having 25, 12, and 12. I mean, he's capable – He's a very capable offensive player, even though he doesn't have a have a consistent jump shot at the time. And we all know Kawhi is a, you know, reigning defensive player of the year. I think that's going to be a great matchup, one that I'm really excited to to watch and see and and see how they're going to really match up. I mean, Mark Gasol also is a defensive player of the year. I'm interested to see how he's going to bump and grind a little bit uh, with Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid yep. doesn't have a really physical – even though he's an exceptional athlete for his size, I mean, Marcus is still very capable uh, on the defensive side of the ball with his size alone. So I'm, I'm interested to see if Joel will step, you know, try to step away from the basket a little bit or is he's going to play the power game um, to see. You know, and we don't know his health at this time. So I think there are going to be a lot of moving parts. Uh, obviously, you have uh, Jimmy Butler, you have Tobias Harris. And you have a, you know, you, you, you got some pieces out there. You got some players, which is going to make this a very interesting series. But I'm going to go with the Toronto Raptors in the series here. Oh, um, vol- volunteering your prediction. Okay. I'm volunteering. Talk I'm, to I'm, me. I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the, 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 the Raptors. I think Kawhi Leonard will be the difference. I yep. think, I think uh, Mark, Mark Gasol will I don't think he'll stop Joel in the MB, but I think he'll be able to contain him. I think his size, you know, he's a big man himself. I think his yep. size will be able to at least, you know, uh, have the playing field even. I don't think Joel will just dominate him like Joel. No, is he, and he's such a smart and he's such a smart player too. Yeah, you know? and, and he's and, consistent. I mean, he's capable. If if Marcus O had a twenty-five and twelve game, I don't think any of us would be like, wow. I mean, Marcus O is a very capable player. And yeah. I just think uh, with those two and, and well, Pascal Kawhi Siakam Leonard, and Kyle Lowry, and, and Siaka, yeah, I think Siaka and, and and Kyle Lowry and those players, I think they have the team. I think they have the you know the home court. 
And I, I think they will prevail. And uh, I think uh, Kawhi Leonard will be a big difference for them, uh, especially as we get into game five, six, and seven. I think he will be a difference maker and, and push them over the top. I think it's going to be a great series. I think it's going to go deep. I think the Raptors will prevail. We were having a discussion um, earlier, and it's just it's just one scenario I want to present. If you are the Raptors' defense, who are you putting on Simmons, and who are you more concerned with, Harris or Butler? Because I, I I love the potential of these matchups here. Who are you putting on Simmons? Who are you more concerned with, Harris? Well, I, I I look at Kawhi Leonard like it used to, with Deion Sanders. Whoever I put Kawhi Leonard Kawhi Leonard on, he's going to shut them down. Kawhi Leonard is that good, okay? Kawhi Leonard, whoever, if you if you think putting him on Ben Simmons is gives you the best chance to win, Kawhi Leonard will figure it out, and Kawhi Leonard is strong enough to withstand the physicality of a Ben Simmons. Yeah, he's bigger than Jimmy Butler. Okay, and I think he's strong enough to play and overpower, not overpower, but I think he's strong enough to take advantage of his size against a Tobias Harris. So whoever he plays against, I think he will take that side of of the of the court away. Now, I don't know what their defensive scheme may be, but Kawhi Leonard, whoever he puts now, I think the kid. the other kid was Siakam. Well, Siakam is Siakam. such a now, force on that now, end of the floor. Now Siakam to me is the is the X factor because if he gets twenty points a game, now that that's gonna that's a problem. That's a problem yep. because that means either Tobias Harris or Jimmy Butler. You know they they can't defend him, and he's not going to be the first or you know he's not going to be really. I don't think he's the first or second option in their offense, but he figures out how to score. So I think that will be more of a problem to contain him. I would put a lot of emphasis on trying to contain him because when he gets 20 to 25 points, I think that's a major problem for, for any team because when you find players who can, who can score without having – Oh, he's, fl- he's fl- flow of the game all the way. Yeah, yep. if you know, when he, those guys start getting 25 or 30 points in a game without offensive plays being called for him, that's a major problem. A major market non-playoff team remains in the news every day, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers. So right now they are interviewing head coaching candidates. Uh, the latest is they're bringing Monty Williams back for a second interview. Um, there's some fun thoughts out there about what if LeBron James were to become player coach? Of course, Ty Lue's name has been mentioned. Uh, what are you hearing in L.A. about who the head uh, – Jason Kidd as well. What are you hearing in L.A. about um, who they want as head coach and who do you think would be the best fit? Well, you know, look, if, if, you, if you're reading the Internet and you're listening to all of the – the stuff that we're hearing out here in L.A., you know, they're all over the place. They're all they're interviewing. They're probably interviewing you, Eric, for the for the job. Um, <laughs> you know, they're they're hey, it's, they're set, all over set, the place. Set me up. That would be a, that would be a nice percentage for you if you said. Yeah, that. If, a real um, nice percentage. But I, I, you know, to try to get through all of the the gibberish, if you will, I, I, I think Monty Williams is their guy. 
I think he is the guy they have their eyes on. I think they view him in a in in a way that they feel that he would be the best person for the job. Now, whether or not he he accepts that job or you know they're able to finalize whatever the contracts or whatever it is but I think after just watching the Lakers all year living out here in LA he would be the guy that would allow them to win the press conference that's just my view of watching it I have no insight. did you just say the guy the guy that would allow them to win the press conference to win the press conference (laughs) that's great yeah I I think I and, and 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 Watching, you know, just watching the league, winning the press conference now is is a huge thing for for many of these organizations because the that's your first introduction because the as soon as you announce whoever you're gonna you know you hire the internet has already taken off and have already said whether it's a good hire or not and a lot of times you don't get a second chance to make a first impression and I think. Monty allows them and addresses that with them to win the press conference because, you know, Monty doesn't have any, he doesn't have any back history, you will, with any of the the players that are involved. He doesn't have, he's not a former Laker. He he has never coached LeBron James. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it allows them to start fresh where it's kind of a wait and see where if you hired a Tyron Lue, right. that narrative the is there. And the, the, and the I, narrative and I, is there. And I do believe Monty Williams coached LeBron James uh, on Team USA as one of the yeah, assistants. Yeah, and I yeah. believe there's a healthy respect there between sure. those two, just like there's a healthy respect of who Monty Williams is across the league. And, and, so. and Tyron Lue is a very capable coach. Jason Kidd is a very capable coach. But again... The narrative that will be written if they hire one or the either one of those guys, I think the internet will just run, uh, social media will just run with it, and then I think it will be you'll just be stirring the pot, and then you'll you know. So I think Monty Williams will address that. I like I said again, I have no inside information. I don't have inside sources, but that's just my take after watching the league all these years and watching how this has played out, that I think he would address a lot of the things that they need to address right now because they have a lot of things swirling around here in L.A. about their their team and their organization. All right. Well, we will see how quickly uh, the Lakers move to get that higher because obviously their offseason has already begun. And between the NBA draft and recruiting free agents without – in air quotes, collusion. Um, they've got a lot of work to do. So uh, naming the head coach and, and getting that uh, straight, structured, and in place and aligned with uh, everything that uh, LeBron James wants to accomplish is obviously a priority for L.A. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Pure Hoops Podcast, episode 15 in the books. Special thanks to my partner, BJ Armstrong, to Bruce Bernstein, Jeff Torini, and the entire Pure Hoops media crew. Be sure to check out our other shows. Mondays, The Mike Wise Show with Mike Wise. Wednesday, Catch and Shoot with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. Thursday, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt. And, of course, the rest of our NBA playoff coverage at Pure Hoops Media on social. 
Have a great weekend, everybody. Catch you soon. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.